On today's show, Ben Ladner is back for part two of a two-part discussion about the Hawks, the Eastern Conference, where Atlanta stacks up the rest of the Eastern power structure, and also what the West looks like with Kevin Durant now in Phoenix, Denver flying high, and more. All that and more on the way. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Okay, Ben, let's talk some East. We talked about a couple of teams already, but uh, I'll ask this first to get into it. If you are the Hawks, who is the team below you that you are most worried about? Even though we both said we like the Hawks more than the rest of these teams, who is the biggest threat to catching the Hawks for the eight seed or having, you know, or even getting beyond that even, but who's the biggest threat to, to the Hawks that's currently below them between, I guess it's the Washington, Toronto, Chicago, Indiana-ish <laughs> group, if you want to include them. I still think it's Toronto as much as I kind of ragged on them earlier. I, I mean, Siakam is really good. Fred Van Vliet is pretty good. Um, Scotty Barnes is starting to look better. They still, I mean, the theory of a good team is still there. It's just they haven't quite performed up to that expectation this year. And and maybe, you know, that pick is more about just the fact that I, I really don't believe in them. I'm, I feel <laughs> completely uninspired about the Washington Wizards. How um, could you not, to be honest? I mean, How could just, you not? And and the funny thing is, I kind of like their roster. Like they have some guys on their team that I kind of enjoy watching. But they're kind of like the Hawks, where I'm like, yeah, this adds up to a mediocre team, and that's what they are. And then Chicago and Indiana, I, I feel like you can almost exclude them from this group. And you know, maybe I'll eat my words if one of them comes back and gets the seven seed or something. But um, I really feel like it's Washington, Toronto, and Atlanta in that group. And I guess Toronto would probably be the if it's not the Hawks, I think Toronto has to be the second favorite, uh, if not the the favorite or co-favorite with the Hawks, uh, just because of the talent, just because of the defensive potential. If you know if they can f- finally put things together on that end of the floor, they do have an identity defensively, and and that's I think maybe more than the Hawks could say, who don't really have an identity offensively or defensively right now. Um, so at least you feel confident about the Raptors on one end of the floor, but I, I actually don't feel confident about the Raptors on the end of the floor. It's only in theory that I think. I might eventually feel confident about them. So this whole, this whole group is just kind of a muddled mess right now, but I short answer Toronto just because of the talent and the, maybe I'm factoring in the pedigree a little bit of having been in the playoffs and things like that. It's just easier to believe in them than it is with the wizards. Yeah. We were on the same page. They, they, have, they have a better profile. Also, they just got, they got better with Yaka Pirtle. Like he's not having a great year, but he's certainly helps them on paper. Like he's becomes their best center immediately. And yeah, we'll see what he looks like. But I, I, they've been maddening. Like you could almost argue even more so than the Hawks this year. Toronto's just been, and apparently the vibes are bad. Like all of the reporting yeah. out of there is that they're not really having a lot of fun with the Raptors. But the roster is still like kind of intriguing. I mean, they're not um, going to blow you away, but they still have a guy, like a lot of guys that you like. And I certainly would like them more than than the Wizards as well. The Wizards, honestly, we talked about the Hawks being the, the mid team. The Wizards are just the, the mid franchise. Like they're yeah. just the most. This is not a revolutionary take by any means, but that's just what the Wizards are, and they they kind of want to be. It seems like I think they're just they're just fine being the nine seed forever. And I don't I can't imagine being a fan of the Wizards. I mean, shout to Mike Prada among others, like who care about the Wizards. I, it would be, I mean, for all the jokes that we used to hear about the Hawks when they were admittedly quite boring in the Joe Johnson era, that was a good basketball team year in year out. They were they were the four or five seed a lot of the time. Like that is a lot different than being 
extremely boring and being the nine seed every year, which is what the Wizards are. I mean, you know, there is a real difference there between like, yeah, if you want to win 48 games and be boring, I get not loving that. But winning 38 games and being boring is like the absolute just bang your head against the wall. That's what the Wizards are. And maybe they're better than that now. I don't know. I, I, I still don't buy it, but they're only a half game behind the Hawks. So they're hanging around, I guess. No team is happier with their positioning right now in the entire NBA than the Washington Wizards. <laughs> you, you have yeah. the championship contenders who are feeling good, but you know, looking over their shoulders, wondering, okay, who are our rivals? Kind of sweating a little bit because it's stressful to be part of a championship race. You have the, the bottom teams who are tanking. They know their season's over. They're just looking at the young guys, um, and they're maybe feeling a little... A little like the season got away from them or like it's just another, you know, 23 games of having to do this over and over again and lose every game. The Wizards are like, we're great. We're right on track. We're going to get the the nine (laughs) seed. We're going to play in the play in again. We're going to get that gate revenue potentially if they host a game. And uh, and we're going to and we're going to lose in the play in or the first round. It's going to be great. They are right on track for their goal. Yeah, and then they're. Uh, this is obviously more future-facing thing, but they're also probably going to have to pay Kyle Kuzma and Porzingis a lot of money to keep them, and they seem to be just destined to do that this summer and just to sign up again for even more money on the same exact roster that isn't going to beat anybody long term. Beal has no trade clause, so he's not going anywhere. It is uh, Johnny Davis, who I don't think is like a total loss cause. It does not look to be a very good draft pick in the lottery at this stage. Um, they, they finally sold on Rui for very little. Uh, it's just. I don't know. Wizards fans, I feel for you. I, I really do in all, in all seriousness yeah. at this point. Um, all right, moving on from there to the team right above the Hawks, and that is the Miami Heat. Uh, I'll ask this first. Do, do you care that they signed Kevin Love? Does that move the needle for you at all? Uh, he's I, famous. I it, <laughs> he is, yeah. I, mean, I think he's good, and, and I think it – I guess my answer is it moves the needle in the regular season. I think he can help stabilize them down the stretch – I don't see him playing a huge role in the playoffs, uh, but but yeah. in the first round, you know, if there's a matchup that, although they're they're going to be the lower seeded team, so that, that could even be tough too. Um, it, it depends who they draw. I mean, maybe they draw a team where the matchup is such that they can get away with playing him in a in a seventh or eighth man role uh, coming off the bench. But I, I think that may be a stretch, especially if they get past the first round of the playoffs. I mean, that then it's just going to be hard to play him because of his defensive concerns. But as a shooter and as a passer. A facilitator. He's a smart player. I think he and Bam are going to work well off of one another when they play together. Jimmy Butler, um, despite not being a good shooter, Jimmy Butler is a fairly malleable star because he can do yeah. so many other things on the court. So I'm not concerned about like, uh, what is, is Jimmy Butler going to have to sacrifice or Kevin Love, you know, to make that fit work? I, I think it'll be fine. So I, I think he he fits into what they want to do offensively. He helps open up things for a spacing challenge, a shooting challenge roster uh, defensively. I think he can hold up in the regular season and probably isn't, you know, you're not getting away with playing him more than 15 minutes a game in the playoffs, but I think that's what they signed him to do. I think they signed him to stabilize them in the regular season and play 10 to 15 minutes a game in the regular season or in the postseason. He's about guy. And I mean, there's probably a whole whole podcast about how just to pull the curtain back on the content cycle buyout guys don't usually matter. uh, They get get covered. They get covered a lot and I get it because it's just like, we need something to talk about, but it's you, there, I could probably count on one hand the about guys who've ever mattered, like at the highest levels. PJ Brown was one famously. I think Boris Diaw was the last one Boris that was actually a good one. moved yep. the needle in the playoffs. It's not it's not a frequent thing. I mean, Kevin Love is a better than usual buyout guy. I think yeah. Russell Westbrook is obviously an interesting. Uh, it's, it's in the West, of course, but an interesting, better, more prominent 
than usual buyout guy. Definitely a player Blake, who was bought out. Yeah, a player. Yes, he was. He's going to the Clippers now. Also, while we're recording this podcast, Pat Beverly's going to the going to the Bulls. That's officially happening. The Bulls. Oh, that's, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that's another. I guess they wanted Russ and didn't get Russ, and they got Pat Bev instead. So, uh, anyway, long story short, I, I think that I, I agree with you on Kevin Love. I think he helps them, but not in a transformative way. I will say, if you put him between Jimmy and Bam defensively, that's probably your best possible way to. Yeah. play him defensively it's not going to be him I, I don't think you can hide him too much especially if you're going to try to play him with hero that's not going to work um if, if he's your only bad defender if you want to put him out there with gabe vincent and i don't know max Struess or whatever uh and and jimmy and bam that might work but if you try to play hero and kevin love together that's not going to go well i don't think or, or, yeah. or duncan robinson if you want to try him duncan robinson by the way what's going on it's no it, idea. It, it happened fast for Duncan Robinson. It, really? Yeah. He got paid a lot and now he doesn't. He I was going to say, play. at least he got his 90 mil before uh, it all broke for him. He stopped shooting, which is uh, interesting. Okay. Um, other than that, like Jimmy is what he is. We, I've, I've kind of been too low on Jimmy. At I think he's just incredible. You just, you don't want to doubt Jimmy Butler. Bam's really good. My concern is usually been hero. I think hero is just kind of what he is. I think he's very overrated, but he's a very useful player. My concern with Miami on a big picture level playoffs in particular is like Kyle Lowry looks kind of ju- looks kind of cooked to me. Uh, yeah. And that's, they can't really function if he's not going to be pretty good. And that's, that's my problem. I mean, Gabe Vincent's like a lot better than you, which he's might be at this point. Not great. Yeah, it's, it it's tough. They, they really do need him because Gabe Vincent, it, like, I think you're right. He, he probably has been better than Lowry in the aggregate this season, but he's not better at the things you need Kyle Lowry to be good at if that yeah. makes sense. Like the the quote-unquote little things that Kyle Lowry has kind of made a career doing, the Heat need those things. And Gabe Vincent is giving them other things at a higher level than Lowry has, but he's not giving them those things. And those are the ingredients that they need, I think, to really, if they're go- if it's even possible, to morph into a, a championship contender again. So that that's kind of the piece that, that we're waiting on. And injuries are always a question with this team. Aging is always a question with this team. Just kind of regular season burnout is is a question, I think, as well. And um, I also love Jimmy Butler. I, I think he's just phenomenal. He's one of my favorite players to watch. I think he's he's pretty underrated. The fact that he didn't make the all-star team this year to me was like outrageous, but it is what it is. Uh, but but I think even he probably can't uh, lift this team to where it needs to be. And And part of that, too, I was thinking about this the other night as I was watching them. I can't remember who they were playing, but... Like Bam Adebayo, I, I guess that's just not going to happen at this point. Like well, he, it seems like he's kind of flatlined ever since. You know, I remember writing about him a couple of years ago, th- two three years ago, uh, as doing a preseason piece on him for fan sided of, of just like a it's part of the twenty five under twenty five series, and he was like eleven or sixteen or something on the list. And I remember watching the film and really diving in and and getting really excited and being like, okay. This guy has a leap in him as a playmaker, potentially as a shooter, as a rim protector. There's all these areas where he can get better. And he's just never really gotten better in those areas. He's kind of been the same guy for the last three years. And, you know, when that happens, generally that tends to mean that that's what a guy is. Like he's he's probably at or near his peak. This is about as good as he's going to be. And he's a really good player and he's a borderline all-star. But unless your team has LeBron James or Nikola Jokic or... Steph Curry or one of these elite like top five or six players in the league, which I don't think Jimmy is can Bam be your second best player and you contend for a championship. That's an open question to me. And I think part of the heat not being able to get back to those championship heights the last few years, and I know they were the one seed last year, but 
part of their inability to uh, to really get back to that level to me stems from Bam just not not being the guy that we thought he'd be, particularly as a rim protector and as a playmaker. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. The midway point of the season is, of course, behind us now. The All-Star break is here as I speak. It's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. A customer, if you are a new, get a new no sweat first bet up to $1,000. Yes, $1,000. That means bonus bets coming back to you. If your first bet does not win at FanDuel, download the app right now, FanDuel Sportsbook app, and it's safe, secure, and it's super easy to use. Bet on anything you're looking for across the board. That includes point spreads and totals, money lines, and player props. And right now, you can also bet on which team will win the Southeast Division. And our friends at FanDuel have the Hawks at plus 300, with the Heat as a pretty big favorite at minus 310. So if you're a believer in the Hawks and think there's a run coming in the future, that might be one angle to invest in at this point in time. And from there, find many exclusive bets at FanDuel, like the 2 by 3 which is where they have two three-pointers in the first two three minutes of a basketball game at this point. And also, FanDuel helps you have – we just give you the option to combine bets together for a bigger payout with a same game parlay. Don't miss the chance to get the no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. One more time, that is fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with Fanduel, a special partner of the NBA. Yeah, I think he's a good case study in um, a guy who is really good. And anytime a guy becomes really good and is still young enough to get better, there's an assumption that he'll get better. And sometimes mm-hmm. guys are just what they are. And it's, it sounds like a, like, a, like a dismissal of Bam to say he just is what he is. But he, he's a really good player. He's a top like yeah. 30 player in the league. Like he's a really good player. It's just that he is probably – this is what he is. And that's that's a really good play. It's like kind of the same thing that used to happen, honestly, back in the day with with the Hawks and the guys like Al Horford. Like yeah. people, it's like Al Horford was a top 30 player in the league. He wasn't ever going to be better than that, but he was really good. Um, you know, so – it. Yeah, I, I kind of am with you. And, you know, Jimmy, as good as he is, does have limitations that make it can, can be challenging. Those two guys, I don't think you would pick those two guys to be your one and two together in a lab if you had the choice. They have just notable limitations, the two of them. Now, defensively, that's a heck of a place to start your team, especially younger version of Jimmy than he is now. But anyway, I, I uh, Miami's, I mean, they're well coached, but also like it's hard, it's hard for me to get past the fact that they have like a neutral net rating right now in 59 games. Like they they've been thoroughly unimpressive this year, and they're like as credit to them that they've won more than they've lost. But like they have a worse net rating than the Wizards. <laughs> like so do the Hawks, mind you. But uh, I don't know that I don't know what that means. Maybe maybe it's just a product of the games Jimmy misses or whatever. But the Heat just I can't get. I mean I think there's a trust level with them where they won't they won't embarrass themselves. But I don't see a run in them. Maybe I'm wrong again. I'm always too low in Miami, so maybe I'm, maybe I'm the fool. But I, I don't see it necessarily. No, I think you're right. And and I think the reason their net rating is so unimpressive is partly, not entirely, but partly because of injuries. But like I said, that's also a thing you just have to consider with Miami. There, there's a strong possibility that they're not going to be healthy in the playoffs. And so you, you just sort of bake that in. And then yeah. when, when you look at the rest of the East, it's just hard to make the case for them being as good, let alone better than... You know, even even a team like Cleveland or, or Philly, who I think are not even in that upper echelon of the East. We talked about um, New York and Brooklyn. If you have anything to add, Phil, I mean, I guess the, I guess the real question for that I would ask you about those teams, especially with New York, is like, would you have Miami as the as the best team of the non top four teams? It's like, is Miami? You're, you're let's let's say forget the standings for a second. As far as like from this point forward. Who's the fifth best team in the East? Is it Miami or New York or Brooklyn? Maybe maybe you think it's still Brooklyn. Yeah, I think it's I think it's Miami, then Brooklyn, then New York. And okay. maybe I'm I'm always I'm maybe the Knicks are my the Knicks are to me as the Heat are to you. Yeah, I'm maybe maybe, maybe so. And you're all, you're also uh, 
and by the way, this is this also applies to me. We might just be too hipster on the nets. Maybe they're not going to be good, but it's a yeah. very, it's a very hipster thing. As soon as it happened, like the internet was like, "Oh, I love this Nets team." And so do I. I mean, I had the same yeah. thought. We all had the same thought. Maybe, it's maybe one of those things wrong, you, you want it to be true. Maybe yeah. we're just we're just believing in it before we actually see it. Um, maybe there's also something to the 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 Brooklyn part of this where it's just Perhaps. cool to you know hipsters are from Brooklyn. I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think. Uh, I think the Heat are the best of that group, mainly because I think Jimmy Butler is the best player of that group. Yeah, and I just I kind of just believe in him. And Eric Spolster is the best coach in that group, and all that. So it, you know there are a lot of signs that I think point to them. And uh, but but they're also the oldest of that group. They are maybe the most injury prone. But I think this the star power and the coaching maybe gives them a little bit more of a playoff upside than those other two teams have. Yeah, I, I don't mind that at all. I think uh, the Knicks have impressed me on offense this year. Like if you would have told me that they were going to be, I think I'm looking at this up now just to make sure I'm not crazy. I think they're in the top seven or eight on offense still this season. Yeah. They're seventh in the league in offense. I would have lost wild. that bet. I would have lost that bet for sure. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Brunson's a big part of that. He's been really good this year. Um, I made fun of it a little bit and, you know, they beat the Hawks. So I, I wasn't necessarily a, and Knicks fans decided to yell at me like I'm a, like I was a just a fan setting tweets, but um, I was making fun of RJ Barrett, who I thought was just terrible the other night in Atlanta, and he was the reason the Hawks were still in the game is because Barrett was not playing well, and the Hawks still lost and played terrible in that game. But RJ tried his best to keep them in the game. He's he's the guy I'm worried about with New York, not in a yeah. bad way. I think he's he's fine. It's just that he doesn't understand that he's fine a lot of the time, and like he, and when he's bad, he's bad. And Randall's kind of the same way, honestly. If Randall doesn't make jump shots, he becomes not very good but he's been really good this year so yeah uh, Brun- brunson and randall have like legitimately i don't randall made it and brunson had a legitimate like all-star caliber performance like he had a real claim i, I don't think i would have put him in but he yeah. was on the he was on a real list which is a a, a statement to be honestly because he was coming off the bench two years ago in dallas like he's come a long way yeah i agree i i, I didn't love that signing for new york but he's completely proven me wrong yeah. i did enjoy watching julius randall uh uh, put some up last night in the all-star game. Just, um, just getting uh, shots up. I, I personally, just from a, uh, from a sports betting angle, our friends at FanDuel, like the fact that he was put in a three point, in a three point contest was one of the funnier things I've ever seen. And if right. I could, if I could have wagered on the no, if, if, you know, some books offer the no on one of those like futures, um, like who was the three point contest. If, if, I, if I could have bet my entire bankroll on the no Julius Randall, I would have done it. There was no chance he was winning. And he did beat Kevin Herter in the first round through a three-point contest, which I would have lost on that bet as well. Yeah, upset. It was an upset. Okay. Um, I think you kind of spoiled it in a, a second ago. Um, it sounds to me, and you can refute this, like you think Boston and Milwaukee are the top two in some order, and there is a gap between them and the rest. Is that is that correct? Yeah. I think Philly has a chance to get into that group. I think Cleveland has a slightly smaller chance to get into that group. But I, I think those two teams to me they have to be the i mean even if you think philly is as good in the regular season or on paper or whatever as boston uh, and or milwaukee it's just hard without having seen it you know james Harden, the, the james harden factor and just the depth and and how do they hold up in the playoffs it's just hard to answer that question without actually seeing it especially when we have seen boston and milwaukee in each of the last two seasons make deep playoff runs and you kind of know what that looks like. So maybe I'm, maybe that's, you know, a, a logical fallacy and I'm falling into a trap here. Um, but I, I just think having seen Boston make the finals last year, having seen the bucks win the championship two years ago, 
and, and the way Milwaukee's playing right now, winning 12 in a row, the way Boston has played, even without some of their main guys healthy. I have no reason to believe those aren't the two best teams in the East right now. And honestly, I'm wondering if Boston isn't just the clear favorite to win the championship in the whole league. I mean, I, I feel like there's a scenario when we look back in July and they've gone 16 and five in the playoffs and they were just kind of the obvious winner the entire time. And, and we only convinced ourselves that it was, you know, this, this year of parody and there's all these contenders and Boston really was just the best team all along. I don't know that that's true, but there's a part of me that kind of foresees that, that scenario because every single time I watch them, I'm like, yeah, this is the better team. The, even when they lose, like there are times when I'm like, yeah, this is the better team. They're outplaying the opponent. They may not be making shots. The other team may be hot, whatever it is. But almost every Celtics game I watch, I think the Celtics are just the better team. And and I rarely yeah. see other teams in the league play at that level that consistently. No, I, I think that's uh, that has merit. I, I found myself being a little bit, I think, lower on Boston in previous years than the market has been, when, like people like us have been. And this year, I, I do kind of buy it more. They just they have the best profile by a lot. They had, you know, it's kind of weird. There's a lot of noise because the first like what month and a half, they just didn't miss a shot. Like they were shooting, yeah, a, basically a league record pace from three, and just they finally just missed everything for about a month after that. And now they've become more normal again. And they have the best net rating in the league, both clean the glass and traditional um, best record in the league, obviously as well. They're really good at home. I, 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 I still wouldn't have them as like the clear favorite, but if you had to pick one team to win the title, I think it kind of has to be Boston. If I had yeah. to guess, I mean, I would consider Milwaukee because I have that much respect for Giannis. Like it really comes down to just that. Like I think that they would have beaten Boston last year if Middleton was there. I agree. Uh, they, they almost beat them anyway without Middleton. And given how top heavy Milwaukee is, I think it's kind of reasonable to think that I'm not saying it was definite, but I, I think they win that series more often than not. If they had Chris Middleton, and we haven't seen enough of Milton this year to really know, but the fact that Milwaukee is a half game behind Boston with Milton playing 17 games and half those games, like barely playing at all. I, I can't quit Milwaukee. I mean, I, th I think just a combination yeah. of Giannis and Bud and the system and drew at the point of attack and Brooke Lopez is incredible and their depth is not great, but maybe, you know, maybe Crowder helps them and we'll see, but that they'd be team. I think nobody in the West, we're not going to do a lot of West on this podcast unless you have more takes to, to deliver. But I, I think that uh, I would certainly have the top; those two as the top two in the league, in addition to the East, would be my. Uh, that's that'd be, and I think Milwaukee is the one where people will have them in or out. I have them in, and Boston is the one team that I've seen pretty much everybody have in their top two or three yeah. in the league. No, I, I think that's fair, and I've I've always kind of been higher on Milwaukee than it seems like the consensus has in in recent playoffs. Sometimes. That's burned me. Sometimes that's vindicated me. It, it's kind of hit yeah. or miss with the Bucks in the playoffs. But um, yeah, I, I think I could easily see them winning the championship. If, if we're if we're looking back in three months and the Bucks have won the championship, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Or no. four months, however many months it's going to be. Way too um, way too many months. The NBA playoffs, which we love, they take yeah. uh, they take a very long time. Yeah, no, I, it would that wouldn't shock me at all. The the two teams just league wide that I or I guess uh, two and a half. I. I I'm not quite there on Memphis, but Denver and Golden State, I would also throw into that. Um, Man, maybe Gold, maybe Gold just State's a run below. Gold but those so are the two teams. Yeah, I can't. Th that's the team I can't quit. I just. I mean, they are five. They are they are quite literally 500 right now. Yeah, as we speak. They're average. Yeah. They have they have they have a a record that is a half game. We spent we spent a half hour talking about the Hawks. They have a record a half game better than the Atlanta Hawks right now. The Golden State Warriors. It's wild. The but every time it's like 
you see you see glimpses, man, and it's like there's a championship team in there. Well, it's, it's so it's so funny because get out of their own way. yeah, and it's so funny. Um, and honestly, I've I've said so many times that I didn't do it on this podcast with with you and I about the Hawks, but it's kind of the same. I'm, I'm not making this comparison, I promise you. But I've said a million times, like when the Hawks have their guys, they're really good, and their starting lineup is is really good. The one of the big claims for the Warriors this year is when if you look at the numbers, when they have Steph and Draymond on the court together, they're still awesome. Yep. It's just when they don't have those guys on the court together, if they're playing James Wiseman, who's no longer on the team or whatever, then it falls off a cliff. I I don't know, man. It w- it's going to take a lot for me to like really buy the Warriors, but I wouldn't cross them off if that makes sense. Like they're seven and twenty-two on the road. That is impossible. They have they have a worse road record than the Pacers. Like I I don't know what to do with that. I mean, yeah. I, a lot of it's just noise. I understand that, but uh, and we're down the rabbit hole, obviously. But the Warriors are if they won the championship this year, it would be the most fascinating like full run. Cause yeah, they've had some injuries like Steph missed some time, but like you don't see teams that are 500 after 70% of the season with a championship. No, like that doesn't happen. Yeah. But uh, you know, that's the thing I've been thinking about a lot this year. We might, this might be a year where that's possible because of all the parody. And if, if Boston is not the clear favorite yeah. then there is no clear favorite. And then there is the West. Yeah. Yeah. The West, especially. Yeah. And and even Denver, who I believe in and has been clearly the best team in the West this season, they have concerns of their own. And I, I you know, you talk to anyone about the Denver Nuggets in the playoffs, and they'll tell you what those concerns are. So th- they're not bulletproof either. And so this no. might be the year when there is a seven seed that sneaks in through the play-in and wins the championship. It's not likely. It's going to be really hard just because. I mean, number one, you have to go through the play-in. Number two, you have a harder path in the playoffs. But if that if that playoff pecking order is flatter than it typically is. And then the, the two seed or one seed isn't quite the, you know, the, the monster that you typically see as a seven or eight seed in the first round. Like, I think it's possible that, that a, a lower seeded team in either conference gets through maybe not as much in the East. Cause those top two are going to be hard to beat, but in the Western conference, I it's totally possible that a lower seeded team makes the conference finals or even the finals or even wins the championship. And I wonder it's going to be interesting in two or three years to look back and see whether this year, with all of the parity and, and all of the similarity and records and, and just the closeness of all these teams in the standings was a blip or whether that was the start of kind of a new era that we're moving into where th- because of the talent distribution. And I think that the difference between let's say the fourth best player in the league and the 12th best player in the league might be smaller than it's ever been. There are a lot of really good players. They're all spread out on different teams. And so I, I think we might just be in a place from a big picture standpoint across the league where the way the talents distributed and the way teams are built and, you know, all of these different forces that contribute to the way you have to build and the way you're able to win in the modern NBA, where it, it's more possible for these lower seeded teams to actually make it far in the playoffs. And the pool of candidates that could win the championship in a given year is much, much wide, like, like exponentially wider than it is in your average season. The West is so open and that contributes to it. But also I would say on the Warriors before we move on, like they do have what you would need to come from a low spot and that they have the elite player. They have the experience. They have, um, I don't, I don't want to say, I'll just use the word excuses, like explanations for why they've yeah. been where they are, like between just playing bad players and injuries and all that stuff. And then the West just being as open as it is. And, while we're here and then we'll close a little bit more on the East. Um, I, I have pushed back gently 
uh, not in a belligerent way. There's this notion out there that the Suns are like the favorite in the West immediately. And I, I, I don't agree with that. They, they certainly could win the West and no one should be, should be surprised. KD is that good. And so is Devin Booker. But uh, I think we talked about it ever so briefly earlier on in this show about their lack of depth. I, I cannot install them as the West favorite, like clearly, which is where the buddy market is, by the way, they're, I know at FanDuel, they're the, they're the West favorite right now. When your fifth best player is Josh Shikogi or Landry Shamit or Damian Lee. Damian Lee, or, I mean, pick a player. I mean, and again, I like, I like some of these guys, honestly, their, their bench as guys that I kind of like, but I like them as like 10th men, yeah. not five, six, seven, and like I have, a, especially, I love. I have always been a Chris Paul guy. Chris Paul is not Chris Paul anymore. Chris Paul is not Chris Paul. Chris Paul is still a useful player. He's still a very smart player, but he's not like star Chris Paul anymore. That that era is over. And maybe he maybe he turns it on in the playoffs. Maybe that happens, and I'll be wrong, gladly. But um, I'll just say that, and I want to know what you think. Because I mean, we talked about you. You mentioned Denver. We didn't talk about Phoenix, and I, they have to be a part of the discussion at least. But I, I don't have them as a favorite in the West. I don't either. I, I think we're pretty much in alignment on this one. I, I saw a lot of the same analysis when that trade was first made. And, you know, I, I feel like I heard people saying things like, you know, I'm lower on the Suns than most. I don't have them as the clear favorite. And I feel like <laughs> I, I don't even have them as the favorite. I mean, let alone no. a, a clear, you know, in a tier by themselves kind of favorite. I just think, I mean, you mentioned the depth. That's obviously part of it. And you see that you're going to see that a lot, I think, on defense, which is, um, you know, maybe not as important as as offense when it comes to like individual talent. Like you're able you're able to cobble together a defense more than you're able to cobble together an offense, but it still matters, and they still don't have a lot of defensive talent. They're still putting a lot of weight on DeAndre Ayton to hold up that defense. And DeAndre Ayton has made strides as a defender. He's an above average defensive center, maybe average, but he's not he's not no. Rudy Gobert. I mean, if the Suns had Rudy <laughs> Gobert, yeah. I'd say okay, all right, now now we're cooking with something. Maybe they are the favorite, but I just don't see that kind of defensive upside. Plus, I think, as you know, I'm just not as high on Kevin Durant as the rest of the basketball world seems to be. I think he's like the sixth, fifth or sixth best player in the league. I would just say, as a caveat, Ben does not speak for me on this one. Okay, which <laughs> is fair, which is fair. And I, I get, I I get the arguments that, that people make for him. I, I just think, you know, I, I've heard a lot of the analysis of this trade comes down, and as it should, I think in some ways, to well, it's Kevin Durant. Like they got Kevin Durant. Well, and honestly, the only reason why they are why this isn't totally ridiculous is because he's really is because he's as good exactly. as he is. Like exactly. the fact that the fact that they're even, I mean, we agree. It seems that they that it's been overstated by some that they're the clear favorite. But the fact that like if this was if he was a step or two down from what he actually is, there I would hope that no one would say they were the favorite because yeah. the rest of that roster like. You have to believe Kevin Durant is a top three player in the world for this to even be reasonable, honestly. Right. Like Devin Booker's awesome, don't get me wrong, but the lack of supporting cast, like, yeah, the explanation almost has to be KD is KD. Yeah. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. Well, so you kind of you kind of said it there in your explanation. Like he is Kevin Durant. He's one of the best basketball players ever. Um, but top three player, I don't think he is a top three player. Um, so that that is like I realize that that is where my relative negativity on this trade stems from. And so I, I kind of, I see the argument that the people who are high on the suns are making, and it, it stems from the fact that those people in general are just higher on Kevin Durant than I am. And maybe I'm totally wrong. And, and maybe he and Devin Booker are good enough offensively 
uh, to lift the Suns into this this stratosphere. Devin Booker, by the way, another guy who I love his game. I love watching him. I feel like I was higher than most people on him for a long time, and now I feel like the discourse on him is just kind of almost gotten out of control. Um, <laughs> and I just feel like he's become one of the most overrated players in the league, um, which isn't to say he's not great. He's really good. He's like a top 25, maybe even 20 player in the league. I just don't think he's like a top 12 guy. Like I think some that's people, fast. It's fascinating because you know, like you just, I think, you know, I, I was in the camp where like, I, I didn't see it for a long time and now I at least see it. Like I, I think it, he is really good. Oh yeah. But uh, it's a, it's notable. And it's funny because I think you and I knowing the way you think about things in addition to your thoughts on Durant, which I am higher on Durant than you, which is fine. But even then, like I have, a, I'm, I have a hard time just, you have to have at least seven. You got to have seven. You probably yeah. need, you probably need eight. You got to have seven or eight guys. And I, I just look at this roster like and, and yeah, whatever buyout guys you want to pray for, like they they don't have enough. Like especially when you factor in that Chris Paul is not Chris Paul anymore. And that's right. I think that's the part for me. I think there's been a lot of focus on on Aiton, which makes sense because Aiton, if Aiton gets hurt, it's all over. Like they're done. Yeah. Um. Or if Aiton's just not good, they're done. But for me. Paul's the guy that like everyone's just kind of like, oh, they have Chris Paul. It's like, well, they don't have Chris Paul in the right. way you're thinking they have Chris Paul. Yeah. And I'll, it's, I'll put it, yeah, go it's ahead. comfort. It's, it's funny comfort. It's all I was, was going to say is like, it's un- unbelievable that he's still been as good as he is, as old as he is, as short, as small as he is. Like no one's ever done that short of John Stockton, basically. But like the end is now here for, if yeah. you watch it, I, I, it's fine. People don't always watch every night or whatever like we don't, I don't watch every sun's game but i've seen enough suns this year to know that chris paul is not chris paul anymore and that's that's a big factor for me no i i totally agree uh, i'll i guess i'd put it this way if i thought that durant and booker were as good as the consensus thinks they are i would i would have the suns as co-favorites if if the suns had traded for you know prime lebron james i would have them as as favorites or or Giannis which or, or yeah yeah current Giannis they've gotten Giannis. Giannis it's like yeah okay now they're the favorite in the east so so, but, so that's so that's the gap even with even with their depth and defense well I guess defense is part, partly Giannis but um let's just say whatever version top three player but not the best defender in the world or whatever like, like Giannis that would override at least enough your your defensive in-depth concerns it's just that you don't quite think that Duran is good enough to like really do that on his because you know on the margins in the NBA the gap between the second best player in the league and the sixth best player in the league can be a title difference. Like it yeah. really, it really can. Well, that, that's, that's the kind of the difference I see. I think Giannis is in Makes the sense. conversation for best player in the world. And I don't think that Durant is. And and part of that is because I don't, well, I, it, short version is essentially, I think Durant, <laughs> if, if, if the NBA were played one-on-one, Kevin Durant might be the best player in the world, but it's five on five. And there are, there are players, and it's not that Kevin Durant isn't a great five on five player. That's not what I'm saying. Sure. I just think there are better five on five players than, Durant who but but the counter to that of course is like when you get to the playoffs it does turn into more of a one-on-one game you need it, that skill set totally true um and I think he becomes more valuable we've seen him take on more importance in high leverage playoff moments I still just don't think that relative to what they gave up and now what they don't have on their roster because remember they also they didn't give him up in this trade but they don't have Jay Crowder either and that's a I mean they haven't had him all season but that's another piece that they could really use if they had Jay Crowder as they're starting four, okay, now that starting lineup, you're cooking yeah. with gas. If they but, had one more guy, I mean, that's that, yeah. honestly, it comes down to the fact that they, if they, if they could have kept Cam, if they could have kept kept Cam, Cam Johnson in the trade, if they could have kept yeah. just one more guy, that would be enough for me to be they, like, they I, don't have a five man lineup that I feel confident in every player. Yeah, I mean, and that's, and I, I probably still would have been lower on them than 
the market was if they had kept one guy or had Jay Crowder back or whatever it is, but they don't have a fifth starter. And it's not yeah. just that it's not even just the fifth guy. They don't have, they don't have six, seven and eight either. Like I like Josh Akogi a lot. If he's your seventh best player in on a, on a title team, Landry Shamit, same thing. Campaign is just like a guy. Like campaign is fine as a backup point guard, but you know what I mean? Like he can't, you yeah. know, he's, he's been exposed in the playoffs. Landry Shamit's just fine. Um, you know, Jock Landale is their backup center. Like they don't, they have guys who I kind of like as rotational NBA players. They're just not um, what you would want. On, like if they had the Nets seven through ten, sure, call yeah, it in. Totally. Not a favorite. Now, um, all of that said, I th- I think this is a move they had to make. I think they were oh, right for it. making yeah. this trade. I mean, they, they were not going to win the championship with the roster that they had. Now they get Kevin Durant. It's a different thing. And, and they can the win it. And they can yeah. win it now. Exactly. I, mean, I think you and I would agree. They could still win the championship this year. Absolutely, we. Yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't pick them to win it right now. I think Boston. You know, you just give me two. If you give me the choice of Boston or Phoenix from this moment forward to win the championship, I'm taking Boston. Milwaukee too, yeah. um, and that might be the only two teams I would take over mm, Phoenix. I'm, I'm not saying it for sure, but like, yeah. I think every other team I could at least hear the argument for Phoenix. I, I don't think yeah. it's particularly close for Boston and Milwaukee. Other than you could fair. say that yeah. they have to play each other. That'd be the one thing, right, like, right. and you're you getting a team in the West. But I don't know, uh, not to go down the West again, but like, the parody argument is the only reason why I'm really saying that. Like, yeah. I think Denver clearly has the best profile, but I do understand the hesitation with Denver. I do. Uh, I mean, I, I'm I, I buy I buy it more than most, but like, I don't trust Michael Board Jr. I don't I don't trust some of their supporting guys. Like, I don't. Their Jokic off minutes are historically terrible and always have been. Um, and you know. They've done it. I, I will say about Denver, I know you talked about them being better than, uh, at least in your mind, you're higher than, than some. People have kind of just forgotten that they were a conference finals team. Like there's this note, they're not there, they, that, that, that they're like a bad playoff team. And that's Never just done not it in true. The playoffs. Like that's yeah. just not, that's not true. Same with Jokic. It's like, that's out there. It's like, Bad playoff player. I'm like, are you watching Jokic least, in the playoffs? <laughs> my least favorite narrative in the NBA. What are we is doing Jokic right now? Has, like, never done it in the playoffs. Like, anyway, that's a yeah, that's just a very silly thing. But you know, I I'm not a Memphis guy. I, I, the Kings, all due respect, no thanks. Uh, the Clippers, I I can still see it. We'll see what what Russ looks like there. Uh, Dallas doesn't have enough defensively. New Orleans, who knows who's going to be there? And then you get to the Golden State, and it's like we talked about them earlier. So yeah. Oh, I will say, it's a question that I, thought, I find interesting. Who is more likely to win the championship? Okay. More likely to make the finals, Philly in the East or uh, a team like, I don't know. I don't want to say Memphis, but one of those middle teams in the West. Like you and I are, it seems like high on the top two in the East. I think Philly is better than most teams in the West that are in the, in the discussion. Yep. It's just that they, they have to go through the other two yeah. teams. Is that, is that, and that's, I guess that's a long way of saying that out loud just to get to my point. But yeah, I, I, I kind of trust – well, trust is the wrong word. No one no one should trust Philly. <laughs> but Because uh, we've seen that over and over again. But I, I think team quality-wise, I, I think honestly if Philly was in the West, they might be the favorite. I agree. I, I think you said it. I think they're a better team than everyone except maybe Denver and maybe, maybe Golden State if Golden State can rediscover – you know, when I when I say Golden State in these conversations, just for people listening, I'm talking about like Golden State, Golden State, full, like the, full strength Golden State. Everybody's yes, there. like real Golden State, which we haven't really seen much this year. But so maybe Golden State, maybe Denver. I feel stronger about Denver. Those are the only two teams I think are are better than Philly in the West. Memphis is like I have a few questions about Memphis. There, but I also have few. questions about Phillies. There, I have more than a few questions about Memphis. Memphis, uh, honestly. 
I don't want to say I'm out of Memphis because I'm not, but there's just so many red flags in Memphis. Uh, I, I mean, yeah. they just they're not ready yet. It doesn't seem like they're ready, like just like mentally, like just they don't show up for games when they ha- when they kind of have to. Yeah. And I don't know all of that. This is a very I'm not I'm not narrative guy like that. And like there's something about Memphis, I just don't trust yeah. anything about Memphis at all right now. I don't I don't no. understand why either because like they're still it's a good roster. They're well, they coached. John Morant gave that interview. He's like, yeah, we're worried about Boston and yeah, no one else. We're fine. West. We're fine in the West. Is going to be another, a- like cool. And then they won. 12 games in a yeah. row and snatch first place away from that, them. That's going to be an all-time interview if they uh, if they lose in the first round or something. Because, you know, uh, last year, to bring it locally a little bit, Trey said something early in the season about how they were bored in the regular season. <laughs> and that made the rounds for like months and months and months. Like, right, it was more locally than nationally. But, yeah. you know, and that jaw quote is a national version of that. Like, yeah. you just, it doesn't, it does you no good to say that out loud. None. And yeah. he did, which is fine. Um, we would I should we should at least say something about Cleveland before we get out of here because Cleveland yep. has the second best net rating in the NBA. Finally, this shocked me when I looked at it a few days ago. This shocked me. Number one in defense, number two in net rating. Uh, I don't think they are that good, but I will be the first to admit they are much better than I thought they were going to be this year. I had Cleveland in the four five battle, four five six battle, and they are firmly four, which is. That, there's a difference there, um, and by the metrics, they're they're actually been better than Milwaukee and Philly this year. I don't I don't believe that, but I, I do think that I I've been proven wrong on Cleveland. I was low on them, and I should not have been. But my way of asking this would be like, you know, what kind of chances do you give them in a series? Because if they finish fourth, which is I think is likely, you know, they're two behind Philly right now for the three seed. Can they threaten Boston in a series? I kind I kind of think not because it's a bad matchup for them on top of everything else. Like if they were playing Milwaukee, maybe they have a better chance. But like, I think you kind of—that's like the worst possible matchup for Cleveland in the league would be Boston, just because of their wings. They don't—that's the one spot where Cleveland's not very strong is yep. their wings, and they don't. That's a bad. The one team you don't want to see when you when you have bad wings is uh, is, is Boston. Yeah. No well, thanks. this this is I think I'll answer your question, but also say that part of why I like Boston is that they do feel kind of matchup proof to me. Yeah. I don't think there's a team in either conference that you look at and say, well, that's a bad matchup for Boston because they have, they're so versatile. They're, they're not just positionless, but they have guys at every position, right? They have big man depth. They have wing depth. They have guard depth. So they can put out, they could play four guard lineups. They could play three. The other night they played like Grant Williams at the two against Memphis or maybe at the three or whatever. They played this massive lineup you know, where they didn't have really any traditional guards on the floor. So it's, they can just kind of toggle their lineups in a way that matches up with anyone in the Eastern conference without losing a lot of skill or a lot of intelligence or playmaking on the Cleveland front. They remind me a little bit of Memphis last year where they're this exciting, fun, regular season team, amazing league pass team. Just like tune in, tuning in on a, on a night to night basis to them is just so much fun. Young guys, they, they run, they're athletic. Um, they, they run good stuff. On offense, they have this really coherent, tied-together defense. But I, I do also tend to think that, especially with it being Mitchell's first year with that team, uh, Mobley only being in his second year in the NBA, it, it's just a little early for them, especially when you consider that they'd have to get past Milwaukee and Boston, who, as I said before, are just... I mean, like. I hate sounding like this guy who's like, well, you got to do it in the playoffs and get over the hump. But I do think there's something to going through the playoff fire and kind of figuring out what it takes to win in that, in that environment and kind of just some of, some of the tricks and some of, you know, the learning curve that comes along with being in the playoffs. I I do think it takes a a time or two of going through that to really steal yourself against that, that kind of uh, intensity. 
Boston and Milwaukee have done that. I have no concerns about their ability to handle the playoff environment. Uh, Cleveland, I, I, I think can. I don't. I don't think they're soft. I don't think that they're you know going to fold or anything. I just there's a difference between being really good and being really good and also having been there before. And that was what separated Golden State from Memphis last year. I think that's what separates Boston and Milwaukee from Cleveland this year. Makes sense to me. Uh, last question for, before we get out of here. We, we've done a lot of talking, and I appreciate you uh, giving me all of this time. Absolutely. Uh, I think it's safe to say that the answer is not Boston or Milwaukee. Um, if you are the Hawks and you sneak into a playoff series, who would you rather see, Philly or Cleveland? I think I'd rather see Cleveland. I think my brain says Cleveland, but I've I've seen the Hawks beat the Sixers in a series. Now it's a very different, very different Sixers, Sixers team. Ben Simmons is not walking through that door, which is part of the reason. Neither is Seth Curry. Does that make you more or less likely to pick the Hawks? Uh, less. <laughs> I think the reason why, well, I shouldn't say the reason. One of the reasons why they beat the Sixers was Ben Simmons just collapsed, um, and also Seth Curry couldn't guard Kevin Herter for Game Seven. Yeah. Um, I, I I I think I also lean Cleveland just for, like you said, the experience factor. Um, as good as Mitchell and Garland are, they're not as good as Embiid. Uh, and I think that's Embiid, as frustrating as he is to watch as the opposition, I'd imagine, because of the fouls he gets and the flopping and all that. He when he's when he's got it going, he's unstoppable. And also sneakily, I don't trust James Harden, but he's been really good this year. Been really like, good, yeah. really good. Um, so. I think I'd rather see Cleveland too. And also it'd be a weird situation because you get the guard matchup, which would like you and I would be focused on other stuff in that, in that series, I bet. But I, I can guarantee you the national headlines would be young and Murray against Garland and Mitchell. And that'd be, it'd be all of it. And that's fine. That, that's all it was all summer too. But I think I'd rather see Cleveland too, if I had to guess, but it's interesting because, you know, style style wise, the Hawks have always been better against drop coverage teams, which is what Philly basically mm. has to do with you won't be. Yeah. And you know, Trey's always been good against Philly which is notable. That's a good point. And then that does that strategic quirk of Philly that you mentioned, that does allow Trey young to get into his suite. And obviously he's the best player on the Hawks. You're allowing the Hawks best player to get to the spots where he's most comfortable in a way that I think Cleveland doesn't allow because they're a little bit more versatile and able to put some more pressure. I think for me, it, it just comes back to number one. I don't want any part of Joel Embiid no. uh, when he's healthy. <laughs> in the playoffs. I mean, he's another guy who kind of has this narrative around him of never done it in the playoffs. And when he's been healthy, he's pretty much done it in the playoffs. Yeah, The, the question with him is like, Kenny, I mean, it's, there's been some freak stuff, like some freak injuries, but like he, he seems to always get hurt or something. Yeah. And it's like, I don't, I don't know why it's not like we're, we're far beyond his lengthy yeah. back stuff from back in the, you know, the knee stuff and all that. But like he just always banged up. It's it's a broken nose. It's it's weird stuff too. It's a, it's a broken nose or a broken Orbital finger bird, or a yeah. thumb or whatever it is. And it's like it's always something with Embiid. But yeah, I mean, when he's been good, he's been unstoppable. And I will say, when he when he was playing the Hawks in a series, he would almost wear himself out too. Like he'd have like mm -hmm. thirty eight in the first three quarters, and then he would just be totally visibly gassed by the fourth. Yeah. So that maybe that's part of it too. But with Harden, maybe that counteracts yeah. some of that. Maxi, etc. The other so. thing with with Philly is I. I kind of like their depth more than Cleveland's. Like, oh, I, well, I like Cleveland's top four. I, I like yeah. Philly's top one. I like probably Philly's top two. I Cleveland's like Cleveland's top four. Top four and then but Philly's, then I like Philly's, Philly's eight. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, especially at the three, That's that's been the thing for Cleveland all year. And I like Danny Green. I thought that was a good pickup, but, you know, Danny Green is not prime I mean, Danny Green. You got, you, got Dean, you got Dean Wade. 
Okoro has been better recently, yeah. but guys you don't love. I mean, and, and don't you know, trust in the playoffs. No, I, mean, I just and, don't trust those guys to hit shots and play defense. And that's what they need. And Philly just has more guys that I'm worried about coming off the bench. They have more optionality, definitely. you know, with they can go with that three guard lineup. They can play a little bit bigger with Tucker uh, kind of as, as the functional three or, or Tucker Harris, Tucker uh, Harris yeah. you have a lot of versatility there. Oh like yeah. They're, they're, they're five, they're five through nine, five through 10 is a lot better than Cleveland's. Yeah. Like you look, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm almost forgot about Jalen McDaniels who he's okay, but like he's better than what Cleveland has in that spot, for instance, for sure. You know, you get even deeper than that. You know, Niang is a guy who defensively can get picked on, but he's a really valuable offensive player. Um, Tucker Harris, um, you know, even Cork Maz is playable. Daniel House Jr. is maybe playable sometimes. I, I like Melton a lot. So, yeah, I lean Philly there too. Yeah, I mean, maybe they didn't have Doc Rivers. Doc, Doc's a nice opening for the Hawks if they were to face, if they were to face Philly. They've had some good success against Doc in the past. Anyway, we're off the rails. Thank you, Ben, for all the time, my friend. Um, please, please plug all of what you have going on. I know you are uh, doing non-basketball things in the world these yeah. days, but you have a podcast and you write things occasionally, so. I do. Where, yeah. Where, the, where can it be found? Read and react podcast. Um, anywhere you find podcasts, go listen, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. Uh, like you said, writing occasionally at the step back with fan sided, um, hoping to do more of that in, in 2023 than I did at the end of 2022. And uh, yeah, mainly it's, it's just read and react at this point. You can, you can get all my takes, all my analysis there. Um <laughs> Well, and, and, uh, you, and you and you are not the takes side of that podcast. I'm not. You, I'm not the takesman. No, I'm. I'm, you're, you're, I'm your co-host is much more of a takesman. Hi, John. I'm the straight man on that show. Yeah, I understand. Um, I'm usually in that role wherever I am. But uh, John, John makes me laugh on a regular basis um, as, <laughs> as a regular listener of the Read and Rack podcast. John's got takes, and uh, I look forward to if you will have me doing our annual dra- our, our annual pre-draft episode. Oh, absolutely, I look that'll, forward that'll to that'll it be every fun. Year. That's always a, a highlight for me. So yeah, yeah please uh, please subscribe to. Ben's work at read and react, read him as well. He like never tweets, but if you are following on, uh, on YouTube, you can follow him. It's on the screen at B underscore. Um, maybe, maybe I'll tweet every once in a while, something yeah, angry we'll or a plug. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll plug something. You write something you usually put up there. Don't you? Yeah. That, that's about, it's a promotion. A Perfect. That's all, that's all you need. It's, that's, that's, what, that's what Twitter should be for. I tweet way too much. Yeah. I'm better off just putting the link of the podcast. Just we, I, I would prefer it if it were this, you know, communal dialogue, uh, you know, this, it, it this. used to be this public forum, you know, but that's just not what it is. It, it is not. If you go into it with that hope, you're going to be disappointed. So it's like, well, at this point, I'll just, <laughs> I'll shamelessly promote myself. And then otherwise I won't be on it. That's probably the best place to go with Twitter. All right, everybody uh, else, please subscribe to this show as well at Locked on Hawks. Anywhere you get your podcast, follow us on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland, and we'll see you all next time.